faith. I mean, I remember you saying. Yeah, yeah. So he, he was full on, like, yeah, with his faith. Yeah, he thought God was going to heal him. Yeah, he believed yep. God was going to heal him. He was writing, like, a prayer journal um, yep. for a long time, you know, and I read it many times and it, and it said like like oh, I know you're going to heal me God and he had 100% faith yeah. not that I want to discourage people here because God no, does no. heal but yeah. in this situation um, it was different and yeah so he it was pretty awful we got called in at 4 o'clock in the morning um, those dreaded calls yeah. Um, and yeah the call you never want to have and yeah we I watched him in a you know a pretty graphic way pass away yeah. so but, but they called yeah. you in saying he's not going to make it through they told me they called the me in and i wasn't really interested in what they had to say because you know you get a bit angry yeah. and things like this so um i just said i felt that if if he's gonna die then don't waste i mean you got you got an excuse to have an attitude when in this situation but i, I was like well if he's gonna die well don't waste my time talking to me let me go back in so yeah. you know um there was a bit of that, but yeah. So he he yeah he passed away with all his family around him. But it was really I think the the night before he said something to his dad because his dad was in there with him. Right. And then um, that's when I think it really hit because he he didn't really think that was going to happen. Okay. Actually, the night before we were arguing because I was trying to wash his hair over a bowl, yeah. <laughs> and I, I thought it'd be funny to pour the bucket of water on his head, and that like <laughs> that's the last time I saw him. So it's like. I mean, you got to laugh. That's pretty funny. It's terrible. Did, did it's he, terrible. Did he um, talk about death at all? Um, so he, yeah, we talked. We talked about on a serious note. We talked about it a lot. Um, in the sense, when he got sick, I would get really angry with him and blame him because mm. I just, it was a coping thing for yeah, me. Yeah. Um, he felt bad, but I would say, oh, you're going to die on me or I've got a husband that's going to die and it's not yeah. fair. So I'd get actually really angry and blame him a lot, yeah. which is terrible. But It's very common though because I think one of the actions of grief when you watch someone you love mm. suffering or going to pass away is, is the first sort of stage of grief is often anger because you, you have no control over what's happening and um, it's, it's just a natural thing for most... I think most people actually do that. It's not unusual for us. That's the first sort of feeling that comes out of us, but it's actually a form of feeling the loss. Um, so it's quite valid, but we do say silly things or we can often offend other people because of our pain at the time. Um, so, yeah, tell us about that conversation then about death. Um, so I would, I would say to him, you know, you, if I actually, when just going back, when he was in hospital for that month before he passed away, um, he had the... I would be work. I was working with this dentist, and I would ring because I was a dental nurse in the past. Yeah. And every day I would ring the Alfred Hospital and say, "Have you turned the corner? Yet? Are you okay?" Just thinking every five minutes he may just have that moment where he'll improve. Yeah. And that went on for a month. Every day, yeah. I reckon between almost every patient, yeah. I would ring up and say, "Are you right yet? Are you right yet?" And just wait for that. So, yeah, there was always that hope, but the but we we would try to always be hopeful and just sort of think. We were okay because most times he'd come out, and yeah. it was more about getting the fe- the killing the chest infection with antibiotics. Yes. Yeah. So it wasn't like we'd been through this before, yeah. Yeah. but he he just copped a massive infection that yeah. just really yeah. wiped him. Really. Yeah. Mm. So Ollie, let me ask you. I mean, in the early stages of your relationship, how how did her story impact the way you guys connected and related? Did you talk about what happened? Uh talked about it minimally yeah um i was obviously i'm aware you know what happened yeah uh it's horrific 
you know, how, yes. how do you how do you approach something like that? Yeah. yeah. Um, so you know, it's, it's always there. There's always you know concerns, you know, mannerisms or questions or yeah, comments yeah. that come yeah. from Chantel. It's like, um, you know, before I got before we married, you know, go and get your organs checked. You know, make sure. Yeah. She made you have a full checkup. I've I've only got one kidney, so I had to go and get. Uh, they couldn't seat. get someone with all their organs working. <laughs> That that was a challenge in itself, you know. Can you believe that? <laughs> Apparently, we can survive with fifteen percent of one kidney in our bodies. I've got one. Everyone else, most people are fortunate enough to have two. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing all right. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's interesting though because I, I don't. I think in, I mean, at least in a group this size, I would imagine there'd be many people with physical ailments or um, struggles that they don't probably talk about and in you know I mean for, for me knowing you guys for so long um, if I'd only just met you in the last six months I would never know your story you guys are so close as a couple uh, in fact you, you can see the way you relate and connect you, you abs- the love you have for God even though you've gone through those journeys I mean your story as well Alice, as well as yours is infectious like it's quite obvious and part of why I thought we'd um, um, get them to share part of their journey is I think we're, we, we all go through our own sort of difficulties and we don't always hear, you know, on a Sunday you come to church and everyone looks so refined and polished and, you know, everyone's always saying they're good when you ask them how they are, even though they may not be. Um, and so just to see this sort of strength of relationship, this strength of faith, but to know the full story, I think helps us all, don't you? It, it really does. You know, we can put ourselves in the picture at some point because of people we've lost or people we know that are struggling at the moment. Um, one, one other question I was going to ask you, so do you guys talk about dying death as a couple now? Oh, I guess... Have you ever had a conversation about it? Yeah, we, we have. Um, the, the, general, the general logistics of it all, you know, do you want to get cremated or buried or... Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's been quite vocal about what she wants. Yeah. Um, but nothing in relation to, you know, what if one of us has a, a life-threatening illness yep. or injury yep. or something. Yep. So, yep. Yeah. Go on. I was going to say, I think, you know, it's a real wake-up call to... Um, can you hear me? Sorry. Um, to live each day as it comes because you just don't know what's around the corner mm. and every day is a new day and you just don't know what, what to expect. So, you know, I just think it's a real... Th- Real, you real, people need to realise that they just need to live each day at a time and stop stressing too much about what could, may, what if happen. Yeah, that's good. I think that's a good note to finish on. Why don't you thank uh, Chantelle and Ollie for sharing their journey with us. I've got a, uh, I've got a gift. So you can go to the movies together at Gold Class. And um, I really want to thank them publicly for what they do for the church here as well. Because you see Ollie run around with an iPad. He's not playing Angry Birds. <laughs> He's trying to check the sound and all that sort of stuff. So thanks, guys. Give him a hand again. Appreciate that. I'm a little bit... Uh, yeah, thanks. I'm a little bit overwhelmed this morning because I planned this some time ago to talk about death. It's, it's actually a really uncomfortable subject to um, discuss. And I know um, Sue and my family... Uh, we come from very two different families of origin. So in my family, 
Um, they, they honestly have open discussions about death and dying and my mother has told us all what she expects. Um, whereas Sue's family, you could never talk about it. And so I, I know we're all different in how we're wired about speaking about such a sensitive subject and I, you know, knowing what's, what's happening in some people's lives at the moment, I'm, I'm going to be very sensitive. But I think we should have an open conversation about how frail our lives are and we're not going to live forever physically unless Jesus returns. And so I'm going to talk about a couple of things around death and uh, give you some couple of scriptures and also some helpful things to maybe, if anything, to get you to talk in your families about your expectations, what your plans are, what does the Bible say, particularly as disciples of Christ, we, have a very, we should have a very different view of physical death. Physical death is not the end of our existence and the Bible clearly teaches that. And uh, I'll show you a couple of verses in a minute. Can you put up that um, first slide for me? Um, well, I'm calling this a wise person thinks about death. And I've actually tell, taken that straight from a Bible verse. Can you believe that the Bible says a wise person thinks about death? In fact, it says a lot. So go to the next slide. It comes out of Ecclesiastes where Solomon in his wisdom towards the end of his life, actually pen some words about the suffering that we go through and what, what should we think about death in terms of... Well, he has this crazy saying that it's better to go to a funeral than to a party. Now, who would choose to go to a party over a funeral? Put your hand up. I think I would. Come on, be honest. It's all right. Anyone here would choose a funeral over a party? Okay. Good on you. They're very Christian, those, those three people. The rest of us just struggle even to think about it, right? So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to, to Ecclesiastes chapter 7. It'll come up on the screen. Is it up there? Oh, it's up there. Yeah, okay. It's up there. So he says, it's better to go to a funeral than a party, but listen to why. You've got to listen to the why. Why does he say that? He says, because this is the end for every human being. We all die, so we should take it to heart. In other words, there are moments where we should actually pause and reflect about what we do with our physical life, where our life's going, how our relationships are going. We can't just always try and you know, have an Instagram life where everything is picture perfect. We only reveal parts that are polished and you know, they look so great to everybody else. People are jealous of the way we're living. Solomon, his wisdom says, that's actually not going to help us. If we only ever do that, because we are all going to face death at some stage. I looked up the Australian statistics and it's a 100% success rate. We're, we're all going to face our mortality at some point. Nobody escapes it. You know, and what I find quite interesting is the Bible says a lot about death. Look at the next sentence where he says, um, it's, he says that we should, sorrow is better than laughter because it has a refining effect on us. Just, 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 think meditate on that phrase there sorrow even though we hate it i mean i've, I've been to a number of funerals over the years um all sorts of different people in fact sue and i just found ourselves at a funeral last week unexpected we had an extended family member pass away at a very young age um, my sister had a stillborn baby that i had to speak at the funeral this little tiny little coffin um i've when my grandmother passed away uh, i went and saw her body and that was a real challenge for me. I was quite young at the time, but I thought I had such a close relationship with my grandmother, um, it's probably worth just saying goodbye to her. 
And you know, the most sort of serendipitous thing happened at that point, even though it was very difficult for me. I wasn't a person to face death easily at that time. But when I saw her laying there, she was just a shell. I could tell she wasn't there. The person that I knew that I had a relationship was not there whatsoever. And that's actually really helped me to understand a little bit more about death. That's refined me, to use Solomon's words. So sometimes, even though we... We'll do anything to avoid grief, sorrow, tragedy. But it has a refining effect on us, that is, if we let it. If we actually examine our own life and where it's going, our relationship with God, how we're doing with our relationships with our families. Because we we all know the cliches, you only get one life, life is pretty short. Nobody knows how long they have on this planet. We know other things that are true, that we continue to live in the presence of God when our physical body gives up. But it it can refine us by actually having an open conversation. When we're up to it, we don't always have to do it, you know, just because I'm bringing it up today. Because I understand people are at very different levels of facing the reality of the fragility of life and the mortality that we all carry in our bodies. But at some stage, we should have these conversations. And then he says, a wise person thinks about death a lot. Um, and that, that's where really where I got the, the idea of that title. Because would you ever put wisdom and thinking about death a lot together in the same sentence? I, I wouldn't naturally do that. So there's interesting, and there's an, uh, um, some years ago, I actually read, um, there's a book by an Australian nurse and uh, she, she was looking after palliative care patients, so in the last eight weeks of their life, mainly older people, so these weren't young people, they were older people who had lived pretty much a full life. And out of her working with palliative care patients as they were passing away for their last eight weeks, she noticed there were five common things that they would talk about. And she wrote a book called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. So let me, I'm going to tell you what they are. So go to that next slide. Thank you. This is interesting. She says the first thing, and this was common, that people regretted they didn't have the courage to live life true to themselves and they really were living what other people expected of them. And here's what she said about that point. Let me read it to you. This was the most common regret of all the people. When people realised their life is almost over, they looked back on it clearly, clearly, It was easy to see that many of them have dreams they'd never fulfilled and most people had not even half of their dreams fulfilled, dying knowing this was due to the choices they had made or not made. And then she says, health brings a freedom that very few of us realise we have until we no longer have it. The second thing, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. We always say that, right? We say that anyway. I'm work- how you doing? Oh, I'm working really hard. We always say those sort of things. How's work? Oh, it's tough. But she said that this, now listen to this very carefully, fellas, this was the most common thing that the men said who were passing away. And what they would go on to say were things like they missed their children's youth, they'd missed their partner's companionship. The ladies who spoke of this regret said that they, um, even though they did have this sort of regret they weren't the main breadwinners because of the older generation but most of them were just on the treadmill of existence and living to be successful at work but felt a sense of loss by losing some of the relationship stuff that was probably more important that when you face your own mortality brings a clarity 
Number three, I wish I had the courage to express my feelings. Many people suppress their feelings in order to keep the peace with others. Relationships are tricky, aren't they? Can you really always be honest with the people close to you all the time? And sometimes we don't express how we're really feeling or what we're really thinking because we're trying to keep the peace. Now, what she mentions here under this point, she says that some of the people she nursed said they really lived a mediocre sort of life and relationships because they were trying to keep everybody else happy. And they, reg- they regretted not having the ability to truly express to others how they felt. Number four, st- I wish I'd stayed in touch with my friends, particularly close friends that drifted. As you know, life gets in the way. I mean, I have friends I've lost contact with and sometimes I say to Sue, I really should contact, you really should have a contact with them. I should ring them or see how they're doing. But the interesting thing is just because of the business of life, she said the main thing that people realise when they face their mortality is that they understand the value that relationship added to who they were and they wish they had kept in contact with those individuals. And it's usually only a small circle of friends. Number five, I'd wish that I'd let myself be happier. And she noted that most of them said they finally realised happiness is not a choice, it's not circumstantial. It's, it's really our choice whether we, we are happy in our life, with our life. It's not about having things. It's not necessarily about all the opportunities we want to get. But it's actually about what's inside of us and the relationships that we have with the people that we love. Happiness is a choice. And she said they often stayed in stuck. They stuck in old habits of of living. Um, They they sort of sold out for comfort and familiarity rather than um, really engaging with what they wanted to do in life. So I'm throwing these out here and, you know, you can take a photo of the screen if you want, but I want to encourage you to talk about your own mortality with your family. And here's some of the things the Bible says. Let's go to the next slide. So there's a whole lot of verses on death in the Bible. In fact, it's one of, one of the most popular subjects, actually, in, right through the Old and New Testament. I think just about every book covers it at some point. Sometimes it's a specific teaching about death. Other times it's actually a story of someone's death and some of the spiritual truths about the physical side of our, of our existence comes to light through that story. So this is just a sample of some of the scriptures I thought I'd highlight with you today. The first one comes from Ecclesiastes, so the same book that the first scripture came from, where Solomon reminds us that really our physical bodies are just dust. God formed us out of the the earth of the ground. He breathed life, or he breathed his spirit into humans. And when we physically pass away, our bodies go back to dust, but our spirits, which God created, goes back to him. And that's a common theme in other scriptures right throughout the Old and New Testament. John 8 verse 51, this is the words of Jesus himself. Jesus says, if you keep my teachings, in some translations it will say, if you obey what I've taught, then you will not see death. Now his phrase on death at that point is not just physical death, but a spiritual death that is a permanent separation between you and God. So I just want you to think about that for a moment, because I think that's one of the most key teachings that we can take to heart about our physical mortality if we follow our lives after the teachings of christ about how to get through this life how to live every day how to treat one another how to plan how to worship god if we follow the teachings of jesus 
then death takes a whole different shift for us. And that's why in some other verses, the Bible says we don't grieve like everybody else because Christians have a very different viewpoint or we should have a different viewpoint about our own physical mortality. You've probably heard the next one, 1 Corinthians, where it says, as in Adam died, all are going to die like Adam did. So death came through Adam. But we, as Christians, we're all going to be made alive again through Christ because we believe in a resurrection. Um, we, we actually believe that Jesus rose from the dead and he's, he's the firstborn of the new creation. And we will, when he returns, he will make us like him. He has a new body for us. And you can read, 1 Corinthians does a lot of teaching um, about the resurrection of Christ and therefore the resurrection of the dead at his return. And so I've got the next two, um, the next verse comes from that same chapter that talks about the resurrection. The last enemy of man to be destroyed will be death. So people say, you know, some people who look at Christianity, they say, well, if we believe all these other things, why is death still part of life? And that's because it hasn't been destroyed yet. We're waiting for Christ in his fullness to return and he will destroy physical death, but it's not going to happen until he returns. And so we live in the tension of being filled with his spirit, following his teachings, but we will still face our own mortality unless he does return before um, I die or any of us die. Um, the most famous verse that gets quoted about death is, where is your sting? Where is your victory? A great, great chorus, actually, out of Corinthians. And Paul's actually trying to teach the church at Corinth, its ancient church. They had this strange teaching um, that they started to believe that Jesus never rose from the dead. And so Paul is correcting that misunderstanding, that false teaching that was going on in their little congregation by saying, well, if Christ doesn't rise from the dead, everything we believe is for nothing. And not only did he rise from the dead, but we will rise from the dead at some point. And because of that, death has no sting for us. It doesn't mean it's, you know, facing the loss of someone we love is unpleasant and traumatic, but it's not the end. And that's why he says there's no victory in death for people who follow Jesus. And he's actually quoting from two scriptures, one from Isaiah and one from Hosea, where it talks about the same thing about death being swallowed up. And that's what Jesus has done for us. The only person that's overcome death is Jesus Christ. And if we live in him, we have the same victory. So death doesn't have the same sting for us. Um, Charles did a sermon on the next one a couple of uh, months ago that our, the Bible looks at our physical bodies as just tents. And one day the tents will be taken down. That's the phrase that it uses. Now some of us have skinny tents, some of us have larger tents but they're just tense. That's all, that's all the physical body is. It's not who we are. And yet we spend so much time as a culture trying to you know, look good and you look at the media influence and all that sort of stuff. There's nothing we can do to avoid um, losing our youth. So we, 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 we're better off being, I suppose, as it says, a wise person talks about death. We're better off having a conversation occasionally about our own mortality and what does it mean to us. And one last scripture I've chosen here is what happens at the moment of death um, to some degree is a mystery, but Paul teaches that once we're absent from the body, once we take our last breath, we are present with God. It's instantaneous. And so that's why we talk about people going to be with the Lord. We have all these different phrases for death. You know, they've gone to be with the Lord. They've gone home because that's actually what happens to our spirits, even though our bodies um, return to dust.
So let me go to the last slide here and let me give you a couple of practical things. You might want to screenshot this or take some notes as well because I, I think there's, you know, I used to have a fear of death myself and what I really want to try and do is be practical and get you to have a conversation with your family members at some point about your own mortality and also listen to other people about how they feel because our feelings are valid. And, and for those of us that have a fear of death, it's, it can be quite debilitating. Until I saw my grandmother, um, I didn't understand what even death looked like. And so I, th- I want to encourage you, if anything, is not just to hear my words today, but at some point in the near future, have a conversation with your family um, and a couple of other things I've got here on the, on the board. Number one I've really mentioned. I, I think as, as believers in Jesus and people who are being... We pattern our life after the teaching of Christ. We have to make sure that we are following Jesus' teachings. You know, your satisfaction in existence is not going to come from wealth and prosperity. It's not going to come from those things. Your satisfaction in life is going to come from the relationships you form and the relationship that you have with your Creator. That's where the satisfaction really comes from. And so don't underestimate putting the teachings of Christ into practice Monday through Saturday, not just when we come together as a congregation and worship God, but following Jesus and being filled with the Spirit. I think having the Holy Spirit to grant us that peace about our future in Christ, no matter how long we've got on this earth, is something that we need to foster and treasure. You know, the Holy Spirit gives us a peace that we can't, you know, the Bible says we can't understand, we can't fathom why we feel so peaceful. Um, anyone scared of you know like having surgery and that sort of stuff I, I certainly was and recently I had surgery but I just said God you're gonna have to give me peace and I felt an absolute peace that I, I could not comprehend and so I, I think number one you've got to keep a relationship with God that's deep strong and can, you're always developing it by following what he prompts you to do and obeying the teachings just the everyday stuff like forgiveness mercy patience all those things will add to your sense of accomplishment and fulfilment. Not having a bigger job or a, you know, a bigger house or, or any of that other stuff. All that other stuff will come and go. But your relationship with God and with your family, I think, is, is really what matters. And it's what gives you that same sense of value and purpose and fulfilment in your life. The other thing which really I've started to, to do with you today is learn the scriptures that talk about death. Meditate on what they teach us and talk about it together. Um, have a conversation. I find it actually very interesting that Jesus talked a lot about his own death. Now, I have some family members that don't even want to think about it, let alone talk about it, and I can't force them to do it. And they're followers of Jesus, and yet when I read the Gospels, he spoke a lot about his own death. Now, he knew that he was about to die. We don't necessarily know that that's going to happen. But it's interesting that he did it. And so I think there's some wisdom in, in actually having those conversations and learning what the scriptures teach us about our own mortality and what happens after we die. The second one I've, I've mentioned, but this is really the one I want to highlight, discuss with your family, but not just one-sided, so not just from your point of view, but listen to each other about how you feel about the fragility of life, the mortality that we all are going to face. And the, the last one there, I've got take some practical steps. I think, um, I mean, the, the, the guys I had on stage here, they mentioned a couple of things. But you should maybe have an up-to-date will. Um, 
My, my mother, she is so organised about her funeral and death. She's written a list. Uh, we have everything organised. She's given me the song she wants to play. Mind you, she's, she's doing okay. She's not facing death at the moment. So I, I've got some side of my family actually trying to um, so well plan ahead that it does put some of our other family members a little bit, why are we talking about this? So you've got to find a balance in your own relationships with the family, but thinking about your loved ones, so if you have children um, or any other dependents, um, but have an honest conversation. You know, the greatest thing that fear does, it stops us communicating, and yet we still have the feelings about death. And we should be celebrating the life that God's given us. Whatever, whatever form it takes, you, we all have a lot to give one another. God's put us in a family, both a physical, natural family and this spiritual family. And avoiding conversations about our own mortality only creates more, more sort of um, mystique or perhaps fear around facing our own mortality. And so I want you to, I really want to encourage you at some stage, have a conversation about how you feel about it begin to plan and do, you know, so everybody knows what your expectations are. Um, there's so many things that we could actually sit down and talk about, but we have to do it even though it's uncomfortable. It's not necessarily easy. Um, maybe do it in, in different, you know, not going to do it in one big conversation. Don't call a big family meeting. I think it should happen naturally, these conversations and just flow. But don't be afraid of facing your own mortality because Jesus has victory over death. And that's the thing. The thing about none of us know, where, I don't know when I'm going to die. But if I can live for Christ at every breath that I've got, and I can make sure that I have a very firm relationship with my family, my children, my wife, my extended family, because, I mean, you've all, we, you could all take the microphone and tell stories where people have been taken very early and they haven't set anything right. Things remain broken and the pain that the rest of the family carries out because of broken relationships. Now, this is deep, deep stuff. It takes courage, but I want to encourage you to face it. Why don't we stand together? I'm going to bring the service to a close. I know time has gone. I really want to thank you for hanging in there. I know it's not an easy subject to talk about, but I'm just going to pray for us um, that we actually have these conversations and that God's Spirit will guide us in those conversations. Let's pray. Father God, you created us. And Lord, you live in us by the power of your Holy Spirit. And Father, we know that where there's perfect love, there is no fear. Your love casts out all fear, including the fear of our own mortality. And, and Jesus, you have the victory over death. You were raised to life and we live in you. We are hidden in you. We share in your victory. And Lord, I just pray for all of us, Lord, who, who either have a fear or an uncertainty. Some people are really, they struggle with even opening their mouths to talk about their own fragility and mortality. But I pray, Father, that you would help us all to celebrate the life that you've given us. And Father, that we would represent you and encourage each other to be ready to face the moment whenever it comes. Father God, our every breath comes from you. Every heartbeat comes from you. Lord, 
I know the psalm says that our lives are in your hands. We live as if our lives are in our own destinies, but they're actually in your destiny. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us to be open, honest, share our feelings, even the painful negative ones. And may your Holy Spirit be tender, comfort, and show mercy and compassion. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you. Go and do it sometime this week if you're up to the challenge. We're going to have tea and coffee in the cafe. If you're visiting with us, we have a connection lounge just at the back here. We'd love to have a chat to you. Have any questions about the church? May the Lord bless you.